This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by David Moore. Hi, David. Hello, Kevin. And uh, no Evan Grant. Of course, he's in San Diego, boondoggling. Uh, we've, we've decided that's a, that's a new term. He's the king of the boondogglers at the yeah, Dallas right. Morning News. There's yeah. no question well, about that. I mean, is there anybody <laughs> that was, he, he ran away with that. That category's time. retired. <laughs> it is retired. Oh, my gosh. And now he's dragged Sam Blum along with him <laughs> <laughs> to it. It's to do the work while he boondoggles. <laughs> Holy cow. Anyway, I'm just, I'm having a hard time getting over that. I have to take a really deep breath. Several deep breaths. I mean, we had to hyperventilate. Uh, but at any rate, let's talk about the Cowboys because their problems are solved. Brett Maher is off this roster, and Kai Forbath is the Cowboys' new kicker. This should be the move. Yes, this <laughs> it is does it. it all. This is <laughs> it. They will skyrocket <laughs> through the rest of this regular season. Obviously, there are other issues that are Could dragging be. this team down. Could be. But this has become so obvious and one that you can at least address in some manner. You can't continue to say that we hold everyone accountable and you have to perform to a certain level. And and when someone continually doesn't perform to that level, you know, I, I think it reached the point with, with Brett Maher too where it was um, e- even if they don't know that Kai Forbath is going to be better and even if they believe Kai Forbath may be worse <laughs> – you know, for these three games, they just have to, you have to do, sometimes you have to do something even if it's not the right move. You're just forced that the idea and and what it will mean to your team of just making a move is worth it, whether or not you're going down in quality. So we'll we'll see how this plays out. And, and look, I, you know, the reason, in my mind, the reason they stuck with them this long is one, they're enamored with the big leg, the leg and, yeah. and making the, the 58 yarders, the 62 yarders at the end of halves. Now, I still maintain there's a difference in making those at the end of the half when no one expects you to make them and then making those kicks at the end of a game. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he was a weapon at, at the end of halves where you could go, you know what, there's no right to expect we'll make this kick, but he gives us a shot, so let's put him out there. He hit enough of those where you were really intrigued by that. Two, and this sounds simple, but it, you look around the league, it shouldn't be minimized, he made his extra points. Mm-hmm. Now, he couldn't make anything between the 40s. Right. He'd missed 10 field goals this year, which already with three games left was the highest mark in the last four years of most missed field goals. But he made his extra points. And look around the league. There are, there are a lot of kickers sure. that are 
you know, low 90s, uh, mid 80s, and extra points. And now, you know, I, I know the, the Cowboys fatalist out there will go, okay, yeah, now we're going to do this, and, and Forbath is going to miss his second extra point, and Dallas is going to lose this next game by one point. I'd argue Dallas is going to lose his next game by much more than one point, Whoa, but wow. that's another issue. Okay. But no, so I, I think it was – I don't think there's any strong conviction that they're upgrading the position. I think they just felt we were left with no choice. We had to make a change. You know, I, I have a real problem with when Jerry said after uh, the, the – you know, of course, this was after, uh, you know, Brett Maher had gone out there and not only missed a field goal, but he kicked the ball out of bounds on a, on yes. a kickoff. Yes. You know, which I, I just – I mean, come on. I, first of all, I want to know, the guy's got the biggest leg in football. Everybody concedes that. Why aren't you trying to kick every ball through the uprights on the kickoff? Why do we care? About kicking the ball, angling it toward the sideline, I just that just blows my mind. Well, New England frustrated them with that, so hey, let's give it a shot. Yeah, and let's 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 try to do what they do. Um, but here's the other thing: in the, in the history of the NFL, kickers have been cashiered every week. You know, I know. You know, I can remember when the Cowboys were. Remember back when they got Eddie Murray? They ended yeah. up with him one year. They, I think they brought him out of retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, to kick, and he did a pretty good job. You just—that's the thing about kickers. You never know when they're going to be hot or when they're not going to yeah. be hot. And you could, you know, and I—I I made a joking reference to to bringing Phil Dawson out of retirement, but that was, you know, just kind of a joke. But he's—he is from Lake Highlands, yeah. You know, and and played at the University of Texas. Maybe he would he would have said, okay, well, what the heck? I'll mm-hmm. come back. I'll be like Eli Manning. I'll come back here at the end of the season and maybe make something happen. Uh, you know, it's, it's just silly for Jerry to say, well, there just wasn't anybody out there. I, yeah. that's, that's ridiculous to say that. Of course there's somebody out there. There is somebody. You know, I think, but again, it's the, it's the fear of the unknown. And, yes. and I do think there are less there are less of the Eddie Money type of guys out, Eddie Murray type of guys or out Eddie there Murray, anymore. Eddie Money would be good too. I wouldn't mind that at all. But uh, you know, there, there are less of those guys out there now. There was always this pool of of guys who kicked in the league, and it's like, oh, you know, when teams got in trouble, it's like, okay, well, let's go get uh, this guy. He's been in the league for a while. Those guys have kind of cycled through. They're a little beyond that, and so now you have to go with unproven college kickers who maybe were in the league for a year mm-hmm. and then lost a job and now they're just you know staying staying fit and still kicking on the hopes that they're going to get called so right. it, it's uh uh the, the market's different and and it's interesting this year i think we're going to have a story uh, uh tomorrow that that looks at kicking across the league and, and kicking is really down across the league this is not just a cowboys issue there no. are some uh, and think back on it this year. I mean, you know, there, there have been probably six, seven teams this year uh, who have lamented their kicking situation and were holding tryouts and uh, not signing anyone from the tryouts because they weren't that good. So there is a bit of a kicking deficiency right now. Uh, all of that being said, Brett Maher left them no option whatsoever. No, he did not. So they have moved on now. No more Brett Maher to kick around anymore. Uh, was what we like to say. Um, so uh, there are plenty of other people to kick around, and we can do that now. Kick around on this team, <laughs> yeah. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've been, of course, thinking about you know these things and 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 uh, what we haven't written about the Cowboys and what we haven't criticized them for this year. And there's not much that we have. There's not much criticized them for uh, because uh, you and I both. 
pick them to go eleven and five. They're not going to make eleven and five, David. If you might have, I, I will move off that pick now. Yeah, that's right. I, I I'm not much good at math, but what I figure for right now, <laughs> with three games left, they're not going to get to eleven wins. So, uh, um, were we? Let me just, let's just look back at this. I think you you kind of written about this, and I think you I know what your answer is. Were you and I wrong? Was this not an eleven and five team? Was this not? I know I don't and I don't want that that you know you are. You are not an eleven and five team. Did this team underachieve, or do you believe that this team was simply not that good? This team, somewhere in between, I think. You're usually, no one likes to hear those answers, but I think that that factors in. Uh, the talent is beyond where they are now. They have underachieved, uh, and and not just and underachieved with young players. Whereas Jerry likes to say the arrow should still be pointing up. Yeah. Uh, underachieved with players going in their second, third, fourth year, where you would still expect to see uh, an arc and an improvement. And not only have you not seen that stabilize with a lot of guys or, or hit a plateau, they've actually regressed, which is, is surprising. Remember, this was the, the second youngest overall roster in the league last year to Indianapolis. Right. Um, those teams, when they finished like last, you know, the Cowboys did last year, should improve. So, and you talk to people around the league, um, yeah, there, there are some people who say the Cowboys talent is, is overrated, but most will say, no, that, that's a pretty talented group uh, across the board. Um, now, did we overrate them in some areas? Certainly we overrated them defensively based on what yeah, we've seen. Right. Um, you know, the, the assessment of – this gets back to the young player, uh, young players. Um, I think that there was a projection of Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, and Chittabe Awuzia of how they were going to improve this year, and all three of them have taken more than a step back in some cases. Um, I think Leighton Van Der Esch would argue with you about that. That he's taking a step back? Yeah. I think he did argue about it. He did say, oh, people don't know what they're talking about. Well, he he did say that, and then you can point to the tape where he leads the team with 14 missed tackles, and he's already missed three games and part of another. Yeah. Uh, and he still leads the team in missed tackles, yeah. and he hadn't played in I'm almost a month. I'm not with you, yeah. but, yeah. but he is. Um, let, let me, let me he clearly didn't have the impact he did last year. This, and, you know, others, I mean, I, Demarcus Lawrence – is a flashpoint, and understandably so, because he does have the highest-paid contract in franchise history, and he's sitting here with five sacks. Um, I would argue that does not indicate a level of what you would expect. To, people will use that as an argument. Look, this guy's been horrible. Demarcus Lawrence has not been horrible. No, he he's been in there. He's still their best defender. Mm-hmm. Um, he he plays every down. He's impacting the game, but he just doesn't have the sack numbers now. But again, he's paid to make an impact, and he's not making an impact. But 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 the other, I will say too. You know, I, I think, and this is, I think this is going to be one thing to come out of the season. I think a lot of people just looked at the offensive line and have lived, and it has been so good for so long. Well, of course, it's still going to be good. It's still going to be at an elite level. Um, it is not an elite level no. when it comes to run game. No. And 
Uh, so I, I think that's something where now you step back and you go, okay, where are these guys in their career? And again, it's not like any of them have fallen off the table, but if Tyron Smith is 4% less of a player than he was last year and Zach Martin is 2 to 3% less, well, you know, Lyle Collins has actually improved. He's the one yeah. guy in that front you could say yeah. has improved. Um, but is Zach Martin still the best guard in the NFL? Good question. I, I haven't studied enough. To, I mean, he's he's still in the conversation, but you know, there wasn't a conversation a couple of years ago, right? He was the best guard in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Now there's a conversation, so that indicates a, a little bit of erosion as well. And and Travis Frederick coming back. Well, I think he's played. Well, I don't know. I, I, He's probably played the level Joe Looney did last year, maybe a little bit better, but not to the Pro Bowl level Mm -hmm. that he was uh, before he missed a year. And Now, he says he believes that's all due to the fact he was out a year. Mm -hmm. There are no physical – He's not having any lingering issues. No, in fact, he says uh, a lot of his strength benchmarks are are actually above what they were before he had the Guillain-Barre. He said he attributes it almost strictly to – I've been gone for a year, and you just, you know, it's just different. You have to work your way back. Plus, he's a year older, so we'll we'll see next year on him. But but so again, that's all those people that are, are critics of Kristaps Porzingis, who's missed twenty yeah, months. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Porzingis still looks pretty good to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we may talk about that in another podcast. Um, so here, here's the th- here's my uh, here's a couple of notes I want to make because I was not at the game like you were, uh, and so I get to listen to Troy Aikman. Lucky you, yeah, no kidding. So I get to listen to Troy Aikman talk about this team, um, and and you know I could probably spend a whole podcast talking about Troy Aikman and the Cowboys. Um, and uh, one of the things let's that, do that. Well, one of the things that you know and we know is that uh, Troy would like to be. People will ask me, oh, what about if Troy was a head coach? Well, first of all, he does not want They're to gonna be a head coach. coach. He, he does to, not want that. No. He, he would will like not to pursue be, that. He would like to be a general manager. He will not serve if asked. He will not. And, and Jerry's not asking. Um, I, I know that he's looking at what, you know, that uh, John Lynch has done with sure. the 49ers and things. John Elway. And, yeah, absolutely. And he has talked to both men because that is something that intrigues him. And he always talks about another act. Absolutely. And that is, the, that is what he really – professionally that's what he would like to do if there is another act he's not yes. saying he'll definitely go all in but the right opportunity yeah that is something he would do and he has been critical of of the cowboys uh and of jerry jones more so for the culture that jerry has created than than he is even the head coach uh but he was i thought particularly cr- uh critical and, and you know and, and i'm not and i think this is all good uh he's honest about it and i think that's good but he just seems to have, have turned it up a notch or two this year, and, and, and rightfully so. The team is underperformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things he did say was he thinks – he says, I don't know too many teams in the NFL that wouldn't trade their roster for the Cowboys roster. Yeah. That's, that's quite a thing to say, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that he thinks the Cowboys are that talented. I don't know if I would say they were that talented. I'd say they certainly were in the top five most talented rosters in the league because mainly because of the youth you know the youth, when you yeah. factor in the youth with it and where this should be going yes very talented and and even if you want to even if you want to expand it to a point where there's no discussion say top 10 because mm-hmm. that still puts you in the top third of the league and if you're in top 10 and roster with very few changes 
you can get into top five, top three pretty easily. Oh, absolutely. There's not much distinction in the top ten rosters, and you know, absolutely. So. But he also brought up something that I had not, you know, thought about before, and and I've not heard him say before, and I thought it was interesting that he would bring it up. Was the Cowboys' defensive scheme? You know, we we've, we've talked a lot about over the years the Cowboys' offensive scheme being mm-hmm. so simplistic that you know we're just going to we're going to line up and beat you. We're 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 Nebraska from the yeah. 1970s, and we're just we got better personnel, and we're you know what we're going to do, and we don't care. We're just going to be we're just bigger and faster mm-hmm. and stronger, and we're just we're going to out execute you. Yeah. We're going to out personnel you, right? For lack of it. Well, it's the, this is the first time I've ever heard anybody. I, I know people have criticized, uh, you know, the, the Tampa two defense and all that kind of thing, and say that it's outdated. But what he talked about having the single high safety and how it's a simple thing it, that this, you know, he but basically he said, you know, this is here anytime you want it if you want to go get it. In, in other words, an offense challenging this. Um, I had not really heard that bef- before about this Cowboys defense, and he talked about how uh, basically these guys uh, they're. They didn't disguise anything. There was uh, there was no effort to disguise defenses. No. Uh, this is just going to be what they do. And I have to wonder that you know. So, how much of this is Rod Marinelli's scheme? How much of it is Chris Richard's scheme? We know that Chris calls the defensive plays during the game, but it but Rod has the the uh, title of defensive coordinator. Um, is there an issue there between those two guys and what they're doing and? Uh, um, because, you know, as our old pal, I like to drag Barry Horn into these podcasts because I know he listens to them. Um, as, he's, as he likes to say, everybody was excited about the Cowboys bringing Chris Richard in. He was fired by the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. He was fired by Pete Carroll, yeah. who knows a little about defense. And he'd been with him for a while. And he'd been with him for a while. So, so what is the problem with the defense? I, I, I would have to believe just because of what you said, and, I, and I, I'm with you 100%. Jalen Smith hasn't looked good this year. Leighton Vanderish hasn't looked good this year. Awuzie hasn't looked good this year. Um, there's got to be a reason why last year they looked so good, and this year they yeah. don't. Well, and again, it's uh, – and this defense hadn't been playing as well with Heath out. Now, Heath was a guy everyone yeah, pointed to. He's like, boy, you could upgrade there. Yeah. Look at what this defense has done with him out, which shows you what a what a fine line they're working with oh, here. Absolutely. They were definitely better with him than without him. Um, no, I, I think – look, when you're – when everyone is performing at a high level, this defense makes sense. You know, yeah. I mean, it's if you have better talent and you're putting them in position to use their talent and they're disciplined with it and they don't have that many reads to make uh, and everyone, you know, stays in their, I, I know every, you know, gap integrity is the phrase, but I mean, right. again, everyone, stay, you know, is disciplined with it in their approach. It's fine. Simplistic simplistic doesn't have to be a bad thing but when you're underperforming uh and you're in a simplistic defense well watch out yeah. and and that's what you're seeing this year and um you know a lot of defense is effort and and in training camp you'll hear marinelli just constantly yell at guys to play harder play harder mm-hmm. well there's more than just playing harder you know sometimes you can play as hard as you can and when you're a a speed defense like they're right. based on, which is undersized, um, if you're not in the right spots, boy, it really shows up. And that's what's happening. The quarterbacks are running on this team now. Mobile quarterbacks are running on them. Uh, teams that aren't even 
known for running the ball or running the ball at least effectively enough against them to give them issues. And look, this defense is predicated on, you know what, you, you generate enough pressure with your defensive front where you're going to minimize the blitzes. Right. And in minimizing the blitzes, that leaves less space on the back end for the quarterback to hit a big play. Uh, you're going to minimize big play. You know, if you blitz less and you're getting pressure up front, you're going to minimize big plays on the back end because there's going to be an extra person back there. Um, they were good doing that last year. They got enough pressure up front. They didn't have to blitz that much. And they had, you know, an extra body back on the back end and made it a little more difficult for quarterbacks to to pick their spots. Now what's happening is you're not getting consistent pressure up front. You're getting some pressure up front, but it's not consistent. You're still you're still in the lower third or less of the league, probably lower quarter of the league as far as how often you blitz. But now you're giving up a lot of big plays. Right. Well, the whole point of not blitzing is not to give up big plays. Yes. So now they're not blitzing and they're giving up big plays. So what? Do you start blitzing more and then take one other defender out of the back end where you're already giving up big plays? Uh, they've just lost their defensive discipline and their, uh, um, you know, look, they, the last two games they won back to back were the end of October and the start of November. They allowed in those two games a total of 28 points. And four of the five games since, they've allowed 26 or more points. Hmm. And Chicago just equaled their season high, uh, 31 points in, in that loss last week. So uh, this defense is – and they've allowed, what, 57 points in the last two games? Um major deterioration defensively and 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 now you look at all the free agents they have you're suddenly going here where you thought the way last season ended well this is a good young defense building towards something and the nucleus is in place now you're going okay now what you know uh, how much money are you going to pay Byron Jones who is clearly their best defender in the secondary but never gets any interceptions. He right. had an interception in two and a half years. Right. How much are you going to pay him in in free agency? How you know how much are you going to pay? Can you keep Robert Quinn, who's your leading sack guy? Are you going to keep Michael Bennett, who has has already jumped up as your third leading sack guy? Excuse me, fourth leading sack guy, and he's only been here a month. Right. Uh, he's going to be a free agent. Malik Collins is going to be a free agent. He's your third in sacks right now. So they have some significant rebuilding to do on defense going forward, it looks like. Yeah, and I just uh, – I, I think, you know, and of course we, we believe that this is – these are the final days of Jason Garrett, uh, and, I'm, and I'm just fine with them turning over the entire staff. If you want a, a clean slate here for the new head coach, that's just fine. Um, I, I believe that this defense um, was probably not a good idea – to, to patch Chris Richard with Rod Marinelli. You know, those kind of things are usually not a good idea. Or you the, know. The, the defensive ideas are pretty similar. And, and, and I will say they blitz a little bit more with Chris than they did before oh, I'm he sure got they here. Would, yeah. It's a little bit more it's a little bit more of aggressive game plan with Chris than it was with, with Rod. 
before. Um, and but yeah, yeah, they don't. I, I guess the best way to say it is I, I agree with what you're saying with what Troy pointed out is that you know when they struggle early in games, does the coaching staff say okay? Let's do this. Let's mm-hmm. throw this defensive wrinkle in here. Let's let's blitz from this spot and we can cover it. This you know this. Do they say that or do they just go? Okay, you guys just just fit your run gaps better. Just mm-hmm. fit your run gaps better. Yeah, um, that's more of what you get from the coaching standpoint. And so it's a very. I don't want to say it's a one note defense. That's too simplistic. But um, you know, look when when Rob Ryan was here. The complaint was he did too much. He did do too much, and that's true. He did. He did. Sometimes he did stuff just for the sake of doing stuff, right. and 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 they were clearly lost, and they, and they got confused, and guys were in the wrong spots, and you know you're constantly going, well, wait, there are only ten guys on the field. Right. Oh, wait, now there are thirteen guys on the field. So, right. um, you know, there, there's a happy medium in there, but uh, yeah, the Cowboys had not been a happy medium. They were either with where Rob Ryan was early in in Jason Garrett, where they were doing throwing everything out there. Versus now, where it's a, and again, this is this is insulting and it's too simplistic. But I, I like to use a phrase like a paint by the numbers defense. Right. In, in a lot of ways, it is. It's just very don't make too much of it. These are your three responsibilities. You do one of these three things. Just do that. Yeah, and and here's uh, so those two points I want to make. One, if you know you're watching the game, you're watching the Patriots, and what uh, and and Tony Romo and Jim Nance are talking about is that, and Romo is saying talking about the, the Patriots defense and this is why it's so good he said because you think they're in man and they're actually in zone yeah. mm-hmm. he said and, and so they are disguising things the Patriots are disguising what they're doing sometimes and, they'll travel a corner with you other times they'll just play halves like a, a you know a cover three which right. you know which is what the Cowboys do a lot and I think if you look at uh, uh Bill Belichick's teams you know, and of course, none they're suffering for you know at wide receiver this year. There's no question in my yeah. mind that Tom Brady's not as good as he used no. to be, but he's also got some very poor it's prolonged sample sizes. Uh, yeah. Too many guys dropping balls, that kind of thing. But for the most part, all these years they have won with just fairly average talent. A great quarterback, mm-hmm. the best of all time, but fairly average talent in lots of other places. Uh, because yeah. of the schemes that they mm-hmm. use and because of what he does. And the Cowboys clearly are not doing that. Uh, so so that's, for me, one issue. Another is is that I don't know how much uh, Rod Marinelli and and uh, and Chris Richard, you know, the, the belief in Xavier Woods, the, the thought that, oh, this guy's really going to be good. Show me a play that Xavier Woods has, has made this year. Well, and, that you know, that's uh, – he's another guy who appears to me as regressed, certainly in his performance here. Um, and this – now, this one is tough because, like, you watch training camp. He stood out in training camp. I mean, he was outstanding. If – there may not have been a better defender day-to-day in training camp than Xavier Woods. And it has not translated to the regular season. No. I mean, every, everyone in that organization came out of training camp going, "Yep, l- watch this guy this year. He's gonna, he's gonna, you know, justify us not going out and putting money in this position. He's gonna, and, and we can get by with Heath, but but Woods, Woods can do something here, a- and he hasn't. No, he hasn't. And you know, and I, I don't want to point out, you know, because this, and I meant to to write this or say something about it, and I never did. There was a. There's still time. Yeah, still, still time. There was a game where Xavier was a, a ball was flipped. Uh, I believe Jeff Heath flipped the ball up. Yes, back by the end zone. Back, 
Was that Buffalo or was it the one? Uh, it was a game. Or was I it was Minnesota. It was a game I was not at. I was watching it on. I, I think, think it was I Buffalo. Was I think it was a Buffalo game where it was popped out right zone, near the end zone. He yeah. sticks his hands out and his hands are at least two feet apart. Yes. And I'm thinking, unless Buffalo. you're trying to catch a beach ball, you're not going to catch that ball with your hands too. Meanwhile, Jordan Lewis, going out of bounds on a on a on a ball thrown. Manages to get both feet in an unbelievable catch. Yeah, uh, the, if the Cowboys, that's a that's a Amari Cooper kind of catch. That of course, he's making. yeah, and, and that tells you where this this defense and this team is now. They go four games and two hundred and sixty two snaps between turnovers, and when they break the drought. They get the ball on basically the six inch line. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's a great turnover. Yeah. It but, is. but they get the ball on the six inch line. Yeah. So there you actually in some ways almost don't now it, it saved a field goal, but again they was they were three and out and then right. you know come back and score. But yeah, so that's kind of where things are. And look, I'll say this, you can say, well, clearly they're not working on ball skills in practice. The part of practice we see, that's all those guys work on. Mm-hmm. They're they're constantly that sort of play where you mentioned where Woods' hands were so far apart. They they work I've seen them work on that not only all through training camp, but during during the week before practice. Those are the sort of things they work on with the secondary. They're constantly working on those things. And at some point you've just got to say, we don't have guys who are capable of getting turnovers. No, I, I just, I just you know, there, there are guys who, when you turn on the lights, and we know that, some guys are not as good in practice, but yeah. you turn on the lights and they're great. And that's what – that's kind of the early rep on Xavier Woods was because he didn't look that good in practice. He didn't look good in his first, you know, first couple of years in camp, but he made plays in games. And and this year he just hasn't been making plays. He he's another guy in that group we're talking about of the of the good young nucleus and why they felt so good about this team defensively that has just not performed well this year. I can bet you what Jerry is thinking though at defensive end if Robert Quinn it does not resign with the Cowboys. They got Randy Gregory coming he's, back. Well, <laughs> We don't know about that. Yeah, we don't know. About that. That's what that's what Jerry would. Count or maybe on. we do know about that. Yeah, we, maybe we do. Well, it certainly begs a lot of questions in, about what they're going to do next year, uh, and 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 that's another reason why you know even if you were still on the fence about whether Jason Garrett was coming back, I think that there are enough questions about this team, and and you, you certainly can't solve all of them with new personnel. Uh, no. That you you got to think maybe a new scheme can help us here. Maybe maybe there's somebody who can tap this talent that clearly had regressed because that's one of the, the issues you look at is it uh, when you're looking at a, at a at a roster is that why did all these guys go backwards this year? Yeah. How how could five how could five guys on the defense go backwards? How's mm-hmm. that possible? You know. Sure. So I think that's a very valid question. You yeah. need to ask yourself are and, and and they're all young guys, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yep. And uh, sometimes guys have sophomore slumps. Uh, and I, I get it. And sometimes I, guys have injuries early in the season sure. that impact. And, and I, I I do think we were talking about Leighton Vander Esch earlier. I, I think he had some health issues early in the season well, that contributed. And, and who knows? To he doesn't his, have these going forward. Exactly. I think this is a real question about him now. Well, he had a you know he has a <clears throat> radio show here where he has like a, a segment like once a week. And and last week when he was saying how he wasn't going to play in Chicago. Uh, the the quote was, well, yeah, I could play now, but it comes down to do I do I only want to play? If I have a four year career or an eleven or twelve year career. Yeah, so not good. So I mean that again, it's a very not that that fits 
completely with what the diagnosis would be, but that tells you it's like, okay, this is, you're talking about long-term ramifications here. And, and he was, you know, there there was concern about uh, hit neck issues, uh, disc issues with him coming into the draft, which... Uh, I, did, I was not aware of that. I know he yeah. wore the neck collar, but I did not, I was not aware of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the Cowboys and other teams said that they didn't think it was an issue. Some other teams went, well, it could be. Ugh. And... Uh, I've heard this the the herniated disc he has now. I've been told it's not related to what the concern uh, was or the red flag it, because not, it wasn't a concern to everyone. It wasn't a concern to the Cowboys. They wouldn't have taken him there. Right. Um, that this is not related, but it's like okay, were those five back injuries that Tony Romo had not related? It's, yeah. It's all in the back, and once you have a problem one part in the back, isn't more likely you're going to have it in another. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and but but to your other point, when you're looking about what to do going forward here, you may want to change the scheme defensively. You probably don't want to change the scheme offensively. No, you know you can change the scheme defensively and have an immediate impact. If you change the scheme offensively, that's usually a a longer transition period because the level of coordination is higher to make that efficient than it is on the defensive side of the ball so uh keep that in mind when you're throwing out coaching candidates because again like uh, someone like mike mccarthy who i think is an outstanding coach and and uh with green bay and he wants to get back in this next year and certainly he will um he's a west coast offense guy right um i I don't that i don't see that as a fit for jerry anyway yeah yeah and so it's uh and, and that's the other thing jerry will want an immediate impact and you don't really do that if you change the offense. Now you could do it changing the defense. And I'm not saying he I'm not saying this is an argument for why he's gonna lean toward a defensive minded coach. I don't think he necessarily will. But I'm just saying that it's gonna be someone to create offensive creativity within the same confines of what they're running now offensively versus oh, if you want to shake it up and do it completely differently on the defensive side of the ball, go for it. Although right. you you still want to go with a four three, I don't think you want to switch back to a three four. No, well, all right. Let me throw this out there then. If uh, if the Vikings uh, don't go anywhere in the playoffs and Mike Zimmer gets fired, would Jerry hire Mike Zimmer? Mike Zimmer has one year left on his contract. I find it hard to believe that Mike Zimmer will be fired at the end of this year. Um, now I get look, there's still. People are penciling them in for the, the the final wild card spot. I will say the way the Rams are playing now, I think the Rams could pass Minnesota. Yeah, so Minnesota could not make the playoffs. I can see that. Um, you know, one year left. I guess if if Mike Zimmer thought he had a chance at the at the Dallas job and Dallas was, was interested, you could work something out there for a relatively minor minor draft pick. Yeah. So. Um, they love Mike Zimmer. He would certainly do things differently defensively, but within the same scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd be more aggressive with it. He he has a really good eye for defensive talent. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, you know, in that in that respect, you would say, okay, uh, well, you really like Kellen Moore, I guess. You know, it, Zimmer is willing to to cede elements of the offense to someone else, right? Um, sometimes to his detriment. You know, he did that with Norv and then had to let yeah. Norv go, and then uh, he'll do it again. So I, I think he's uh, 
Yeah, I think Mike Zimmer would be an outstanding candidate and one Cowboys should keep in mind going forward, and, and they will be keeping in mind. But he does have one year left on his contract after this year. Yeah, And people always bring up Sean Payton. Well, Sean Payton just signed. I think he has four years left on his contract after this year. I'd still ask the, the Saints what they wanted. I well, <laughs> And I know they're going to want a lot. Yeah, I heard people I say – I heard Steve Dennis say on the radio the other day, Oh, they'd want a first-round draft pick, so you couldn't do that. I'm going to tell you right now, if I could get Sean Payton for a first-round draft pick, I'd do it. I think that Sean Payton is the second-best coach in football. Yeah. You know. Could be. And and if that's what you – and if you believe that's the difference maker, and I do believe it's a difference maker, you know, uh, and you, you've stumbled along all this time with mediocre head coaches for basically 20 years, and I'll even throw Bill Parcells in that mix. I think he was pretty – mediocre when he came here mm-hmm. um uh then then maybe that's something you ought to think about and it's a guy that, that obviously likes jerry gets along with jerry and yeah. jerry and jerry loves him i think i think if jerry had his it could have any his pick of anybody that's who he'd take personality type the way they would play offense the way they would be aggressive mm-hmm. you know and again think about what um uh, you know look this this game over the weekend uh between san francisco and new orleans it's just like a, a wonderful game. Right. And still people coming out of that game is like, well, look, well, Kyle Shanahan actually yep. went well, at him. Yeah. And it was a, you know, what a great, what a great matchup it was between two great offensive minds. Yeah. And, uh, and it was now, now here's the other thing. I, if, you know, if Drew Brees wants to come back next year, I, I think there is a connection, you know, with, oh, sure. with Peyton. And, and I, I don't think I, I, I it's hard for me to envision that that one. I think Peyton's going to be in New Orleans, but yes. but 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 well, I, I do too. but but I agree with you too. I, I think look, Jerry's Jerry's seventy seven. Um, this team, the reason Jason's not going to be back after this year is because a team with a rookie quarterback and Dak Prescott and a rookie running back and Ezekiel Elliott were thirteen and three, mm-hmm. a number one seed, and the nucleus was in place. Now here, four years later, you've you've taken significant step back. You're not going to. You want this to hit now, right? You've, it's, it's got to hit now. Now, now that window is has shut. Been four years shut when you thought it was wide open, right? So it, you're going. You're operating on. I want immediate return, and that's what that's what the season was always about. This was all in on this season, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, and we can go back. We'll still have time to go back and, and, you know, did it make sense? And what's – I know they were trying to eliminate issues, but giving Ezekiel Elliott what he got after the holdout rather than making him hold out, see if they had some success early, and then mm-hmm. a little bit different dynamic on what the expectations were going forward. But, but, uh, but you know, look, I, I think one reason Elliott got signed before the start of the season was – they didn't want any excuses. Right. They didn't want to say, oh, okay, look up at the end of the year and we didn't get home field advantage or we missed the playoffs by one game because we, you know, took a hard line stance with Elliott and he missed the first three games and we lost one of those games when we shouldn't have. Now it's turned out much differently the way the season's gone, but that 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 was the that was the mindset going in that uh, the, the management's mindset was we've done everything to get this team in place. Now we don't want to do anything to hinder it. We feel this is our best shot. Put it all in place, step back, and let's just watch it unfold. 
and it has not unfolded the way anyone in the organization envisioned. No, it hasn't. So, you know, I, I think that uh, when we look at this team and look where it's going uh, and who's going to be in charge of it, uh, you know, lots of speculation. People are asking me, well, who do you think that Jerry's going to hire? And uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't I don't have any, you know, obviously, as I just said, I think the two names that he would hire from the NFL are Mike Zimmer and uh, Sean Payton mm-hmm. because those are guys he knows. Yeah. And guys who do good jobs. And if you look across the course of the season, as, as of course we've seen, after games, he has talked about those guys specifically. He mentioned yes. their names about what fine jobs they did. That's yes. Jerry's way of saying, this guy, I know this guy. This guy did yes. a good job. This guy outcoached us. You know. Now, the others, what you're looking at, guys, like you said, look, a lot of respect from McCarthy, but not the offensive system that, that's right. in place here. Um, so now, suddenly, you're projecting – an offensive coordinator, probably, or a defensive coordinator, but probably an offensive coordinator from somewhere else right. to doing it. So you're like, you know, well, Josh McDaniel in New England, mm-hmm. and uh, who actually accepted a head coaching job then turned it down to go back. Yeah. Which, but uh, the, the Cowboys, I would argue, are different than the Indianapolis Colts. So yeah, uh, I, I don't think anyone's going to take the Cowboys job and then have cold feet and, and back off. So That'd be a little embarrassing. Uh, yeah. But uh, – but 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 still, you're projecting. So, yeah, you know, look, San Francisco's hit with Kyle Shanahan. You had, you know, the Rams hit with McVay. Um, but will Jerry do that? And, and here's the fascinating thing going forward: is like Jerry's tried it every way since Jimmy's gone. He's tried it every way. He's mm-hmm. gone with someone he knows. He's gone outside the organization to get fresh thought. He's gone. You know the the ultimate fusion candidate, which is what Jason Garrett was. He grew up in the system, went and worked under different coaches to have a different idea of how things worked, and then came back. You've tried it every way. Let and me none ask of you this: Would he? Do you think that Jason Witten is a serious candidate? I think th- they will talk to him. Yes. Yeah, I do too. And yeah. I think that's a mistake. I, I think it got when, when, and the guy has never coached in the NFL yeah. or on the college ranks. Either one. I think that's a mistake with this with this team. I, I, it, he might he might become that, but just because of the reasons you just said, and I can certainly see Jerry doing that. Jerry's the one guy in the NFL who would do that, just because I know this guy. Uh, he's been in this organization all this. Well, time. what he always he's always said too. I don't know a finer yeah. man out there. Yeah, he, he loves Jason, and, I, and I'm not saying that Jay. I can remember when Jason's name came up for the Tennessee job. I mean, I'm talking about yeah. the volunteers. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I could have seen that. I could have seen him going back and coaching at Tennessee, uh, and because of his personality, I think he'd be a good recruiter. He'd work hard mm-hmm. at it. I can get all of that in, in college football. I don't know how that translates in the NFL, and that's a little bit of my problem, you know, with with Jason Witten and and with Sean Lee for that matter. And not that he's going to be a coach, but as far when we talk about leaders on this team, I, I do think this team suffers from a lack of leadership. I think, and not that these guys aren't good guys. I think they're good guys. I think and they all hold each other accountable, but they're all the same age. Too. They're all the same age, and they're all and, and they're all pals. And Witten kind of seeded his leadership mantle when he came back. Yes, uh, I'm sure he and, did. and rightfully so. Yeah, and Sean. And look, the the thing about football is too, you still have to be playing at a high enough level to be a leader. Yeah, you you have to be one of the key figures to really mm-hmm. be a leader. It really in any sport, right? 
I mean, it's like you, you may have a great leader on an NBA team, but if he's your eighth man, he's not a leader. No. And that's uh, and that and you watch. I mean, the true leader. I mean, the figurehead. And leader. you watch both of those guys play now, and it's just almost sad. Yeah. So, uh, so it's not going to be. They're they're not. They're respected. Yes. But they're not in a position to say, "You're not doing what you need to do." Then, well, because because the guy's going to. Well, who are you? Look at your level of performance. And I will say this: I'm not sure that they were ever, even in their primes, were that. Uh, no, no, not in your face. They're, yeah. No, they they were looked up to. For, they were always respected because of sure. what they did and how smart they were and their effort Work ethic and, and all yeah. that. But they just weren't those kind of leaders. And I, and I think it, it, we've talked about this before, but you look at a guy like Dak Prescott, uh, and I think to Zeke Elliott too, to that, to that extent, they, they, they've never – well, of course, they've never won in the NFL, you know, so yeah. they don't know what it takes. You, you know, when you've been on a team that's won it all – you know what it takes to win. Uh, and I think that was what was valuable about Michael Bennett. Now, mm-hmm. the flip side of Michael Bennett is why the hell can he stay on sides, you know, yeah. during a sure. game? Every game he's getting an offside penalty, and sometimes yeah. it's uh, – Third uh, down has been some big Yeah, it's terrible yeah. impact on the team. But the, the guy, uh, you know, having said that, you know, this is a guy that you want come forward and say something. And maybe the players will listen to a guy like Michael Bennett because he has one. And that's another thing that the players on this team look at. It's like, Jason, you never won anything. You know, Sean, you never won anything. Why do I need to listen to you? Mm-hmm. You know, when a, when a player's won it all uh, and is respected for that, I think that makes a difference. So I think, you know, that this team probably needs a little infusion of that, you know. Uh, well, in, I think in, they're, in the they're all together. They're they all hold each other accountable, and they're good guys. Yes. And they're also friends and respectful of each other. Mm-hmm. And none of these in and of themselves are about. I mean, those are, I think those are sure. working conditions everyone would want to be a part of. Sure. But the other side of that is none of them feel entitled or they have the right to get in I mean, Dak Prescott will point something out to Elliot or someone else, but he's not going to get in their face and undress them in front of everybody. And no. and that's where football is still different than others. I mean, I think people feel that you have to be this aggressive, over-the-top, alpha dog, in-your-face uh, screamer, confrontational guy to be a true leader. Right. And they don't have that in this team. And look, you can't manufacture that either. That's got to be someone's true personality. Yeah. And uh, these aren't these guys' true personality. And and I think you can make too much of it. I mean, I you know, I, I don't know that uh, – there are also a lot of fiery speeches that get dismissed and nothing happens in the aftermath of them too. Absolutely. You know? That's absolutely it, right. it comes down to how you're performing and how you approach your job. And it, and I, I think these guys are approaching their jobs in the right way. I think they're very respectful of each other. I think they're all accountable. But, you know, sometimes a, a malaise just sets in, and, and there's a malaise about the Cowboys right now. Oh, there, there. there is, and I think that's what we're talking about. And I'm watching that the Giants and the Eagles play last night, and I'm watching that first half, and I'm thinking, this is the Cowboys to the 10th power here, the Eagles. Well, well, that's yeah, what I'm saying, yeah. You're, I mean, you're losing to the Giants with Eli back in the in – the, uh, 14 down yeah. at home. Yeah, and, and that was – and I thought, how does this happen with a team? Because as – as bad as the Cowboys have played this year, the Eagles are far worse than the, this. The Eagles going into this season were considered a top five team, yeah. You know, in the NFL, and look what they've done this year. They're terrible. Yeah. Now, I, I will say, I thought the Eagles were overrated going into the season, 
But I didn't think they were this, not to this extent. This is unbelievable. And again, if he if he had not gone for it and converted on that fourth and one on his own twenty nine yard line in the fourth quarter of that game, yeah, they would have lost. But that's and, a, I mean, they, he got the first, but it, it wasn't by that much. I mean, no. you know. So I mean, it was a uh, and, and, and at that point. So, all, all New and, York would have had a field goal without moving at all. So, and, and this is a team that won a Super Bowl two years ago. So, yeah. I, 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 I don't want to overplay that hand either and talk about that uh, what they do. But I do think that sometimes uh, it gets to a point with some players that, and then and they look at the coaching staff, they look at the head coach. What have you ever won? Yeah. You know, uh, you, you've been here all this time. You've been here for ten years, and and you're you're barely over five hundred as a head coach. So, you know, what what is that? Why, why are you the alpha dog? Why, why should I listen to what you have to say? Yeah. And so I'm not saying this is what's going through these guys' heads, but I could see why it might, especially when things start to go badly. And the other side of all that is, is that, and Evan and I have had this conversation before uh, about, uh, 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 I always use the shortstop analogy. I want my shortstop to make every play he's supposed mm-hmm. to make. Yeah. I don't care if you make, if you make a few big plays, that's great. But you've got to make every play you're supposed to make. I watched this Cowboys team because of everything that compounds after that. If you're if you're making errors on easy ground balls, then now everybody's you know, and, and then everybody just waves off the air. Oh yeah, okay, my bad, no big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Now the pitcher's throwing more pitches. Now you're making somebody else making out. Now you're you're lengthening the game. You're you're increasing the odds that something else can go poorly here. I can't tell you how many games I've watched where that has happened, and then there's a, a domino effect of all the things that happened after that error was made. And that's kind of the thing with the Cowboys now. Yeah. When guys, you know, you, when they make a mistake, but they they know. Okay, not only you're my friend, I see how hard you work. Yeah, I see how conscientious you are. I know how much it means to you. I know you're more ticked off right now than I am, so I'm not going to say anything. Right. And then you go on and go, and and in some ways that's very healthy. But when you're not playing well, I I think it can mire you in in it. It becomes a malaise, and I think that's where they are now. I think it's, I think it's a lot of guys who are, are accountable to each other. They're very conscientious about their jobs, and they're all just in kind of a performance funk right now. And oh, no you, one, there's you, no one to call them out on it, and 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 know where to turn if they don't. And you just see it on every play. I mean, you know, I, I you see plays where when you talk about a gap integrity and uh, and that type of thing. You see guys over pursuing in in the in the in the last couple of games and missing tackles. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, and they're missing tackles because they're not breaking down. They're running and running past the guy. You know, yep. and the guy takes a cut back and he looks like he's Gale Sayers or or you know Barry Sanders. Or These something. last two games have been horrendous tackling. Oh just my horrendous. gosh, horrendous! And it, and it and it just feels like you know when you see some of that when you see a defensive back and a and a run, and a player's coming in and he's got his hands out. Like it looks like it looks like me out there. It's like what the heck has happened to you guys? It's like y'all have you know. It reminds me of uh, of give me some help here on the on the cornerback Mike Jenkins. Was it yeah, Mike, Mike Jenkins? Mike Jenkins, and, yeah. And uh, and the and the bolo thing where the where the remember when in the and he just waved a guy into the oh, yeah, end yeah, zone uh-huh, and yeah. just watched it happen. Yes, it was like yeah. oh my god, this has gotten so bad that this is where it's come to, and that cost people their jobs. And that's what this has come to. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know, there's nobody stepping up and saying, "I'm going to make this play." I'm, I'm, you know, if if you're not going to make this play, I'm making it. You know, and I and and I and maybe some of that is guys getting outside of what they're supposed to be doing. Guys are trying to do too much. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going through their heads and what's happening, but it's just miserable to watch. Mm-hmm. So. 
With that said, we were going to have a little uh, a third one. I think we ran out of time. There was just ran too much to talk about with these Cowboys, and we didn't even get to all the issues. Yeah, we didn't. We yeah, could have been here all day. We just day. focused on defensive issues, basically. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> so, anybody, uh, so that's going to be it for us. Uh, thanks for everybody coming in, and uh, we'll uh, check you on the next side. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.